I'm Arlen Hamilton, and this is Your First Million. I'm a venture capitalist. I started my fund Backstage Capital from the ground up while I was on food stamps. I have now invested in more than 100 companies led by women, people of color, and LGBT founders. After having raised more than $10 million, people often ask me how I did it. I created this podcast so I could tell you my story and so that together we could go on a journey and speak with some of the most successful people in the world from all backgrounds and walks of life to learn how they got their first million. And who knows, maybe I'll reach my first million in personal capital while I'm recording this series. There's only one way to find out. Let's go. Hey, it's Arlen. This is a bonus episode of Your First Million, I think. I say I think because as with many bonus episodes, I just start talking and recording that and it may or may not make it to air, as it were. Let me tell you how cool I am. This is Friday night in Miami. (laughs) Just to give you context, though, it's um, Friday, December 6th, and it's late at night on the East Coast. And I just tweeted out that I was deciding whether or not to chime in about Away, what's going on with Away, the luggage company. And um, the reason I was even thinking about it at all is because a lot of people ask me about my opinion of things when they happen, especially in the startup world. You may know Away as a, a luggage company. You may have an Away bag. I have two. One was a gift, one I bought in London. You may know it as just that, or you may be listening and be well aware of the Away story, like their background, their founders, and then the more recent news this week about, I guess, news or just kind of an observation about what journalists and critics are calling the toxic work environment, what they have described and shown evidence of, and what I would characterize as that. And, uh, on this podcast, I've talked about WeWork. And if you go back to that episode, the WeWork episode, I've also talked about the Forbes list, innovation list, where it only had like one or two women on the, of a hundred. So I kind of speak my mind about things, even if I know people who work there or have some affiliation to them, I'll, I'll speak about it. I think a way is also, is even closer, I have even closer of an affiliation there because their co-founder, Jen Rubio, is an investor in one of our funds. And she's she's one of more than 100 investors. And she put in a, a, an amount that was kind of an average amount. But more than that, she's been just been just really kind to me and, and supportive and helpful over the last couple of years. And her family, in a way, as, as well... And I've met, I've met Steph, the other co-founder, who is the one who's really, really under the, under the gun right now, because it was mostly her communication that was called out and her, her style that was called out. I know I've met her at least once in a setting that was comfortable and, and casual. I don't know if I've met her more than that, but I didn't get a sense of much from that meeting, it was, she was cordial, but I think in those situations, the situation I met her in that I remember, it was the kind of situation where you're not, you're going to be, you're going to have your best foot forward. And so I can't really 
judge on any of that. But I do think it is part of my responsibility to be transparent in these moments. And I always say that silence is violence and all of that. So I do think I should speak up on on some part of this. I'm torn, though, because first of all, it's happening right now. We've only heard one statement from Steph, I believe, directly. And um, it's it's an ongoing thing. So who knows by the time this even goes out in a, a day or two, if if it'll even be relevant, what I have to say. Second of all, ooh, I, um, I feel for everybody in this situation. And when I say that, I don't mean I excuse everybody. I do not. And I will get into that. I do not excuse it. I have no protection around it. But I also, I think there are very, very, very few people who I wouldn't jump in front of if I saw a car coming at them. I think that's just my natural tendency. Even people who are who are deeply, deeply flawed, um, I, I tend to want to protect them from bullying in an onslaught because I'd rather they faced they faced their critics than did something that you know when when so many people are coming at you, especially online in this time we are in. Ooh, it can be very, very claustrophobic and it can be it can feel like the end of the world yeah so for instance there was another person who earlier this year had a really embarrassing incredibly embarrassing situation happen where they were the villain and I reached out to them privately and let them know or through their family and let them know that I asked them just not to do anything drastic because this will pass So having said all that, I want to say what I just think just generally about what's going on. So what I read was that it seemed like Jen was like always gone after a certain time. They are billion dollar plus company now and sales are outrageous and crazy and really, you know, amazing. And so I guess they split their their roles and Jen was more the front facing person who's going to go and speak and get those influencers or whatever. And I've definitely seen that. And Jen was on the cover of Inc. Magazine and kind of brought that to light. And I think that's only been actually in the last year or so. And then Steph was that was there, was in the office day to day. And one, one more thing I'll say is that I know f- firsthand that most of what you read about a company or a person, it may not be fake. I don't want to say fake news. It may not be fake or false or wrong, but it's definitely not the full picture. I know that from firsthand. I I, there, I can't tell you how many people have said to me in the last six months, how is it to be on that vacation of yours? Or how is it to feel to have stepped down from backstage? Because someone took what I said earlier this year to mean that I was leaving backstage and, and, and hasn't, haven't looked back (laughs) and, um, it couldn't be further from the truth. It just really couldn't. And at the same time, there's so much has gone on at at backstage that has never been reported on. And that's just our business. And, um, I don't know. So I'm just going by what I read and what I read was Steph's at HQ, I guess in New York. And she's just kind of ruling with an iron fist She's yelling at people, either in person or on Slack. A lot of it's on Slack where she's just like, well, there's all this proof of it. And um, there are multiple people seeing her do this. So I, I really don't know the 
the thought process there. And she's, she's in fact, not only being kind of mean and bullying and, and completely inappropriate in the way she talks to adults or anyone, but she's also affecting people's livelihood. So she's firing people. She finds out that there is a secret or a private, I guess, private um, Slack group that is for people who feel marginalized within the company. I didn't get to read all what they said, but Apparently they were saying that they were talking about this or that and saying, well, this was, I felt this was racist or I felt this was not cool or this bro did this thing. She found out about it and she used those words against a few of the people in that safe space, quote unquote, and she used it against them and said, you're fired because what you said was racist. And at one point there were, uh, they paint the picture of it being two white women and one woman of color who the person thought was white telling this person of color that they're fired because they were being racist and she just couldn't, she couldn't fathom how that was possible. Now it also could have been that, that the way it was described in the article is not how it all went down and that there is much more that we don't know about that happened behind the scenes. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with believing who I believe and who most of us believe is a victim here but it's tough because we don't know everything. And I, I definitely understand that when you're reading this article, just like a lot of articles, you don't have all the facts in front of you. you have a lot of evidence in this article, but not all the facts. And so if it did go down like this, if this was the way it happened, man, that's disheartening. Um, if there's more to the story. I hope that comes out because, um, yeah, it's sad to think that that would have played out in that, in that way but we don't know. So I'm not doing a great job of explaining the issue, the problem. I, I suggest if you're interested, you go look up Away Luggage. It's all over the place, uh, the story. What I want to just comment on more succinctly is my opinion of it. I am nobody's judge, so it really doesn't matter what my opinion is. But I do know that some people are listening. And if Jen and Steph are listening, you know, you both can uh, text me. Or call me and I'm happy to talk to you. Um, Okay, so I think I was going to keep my mouth shut and just let this go and be like, well, it's being handled. Until I saw the statement that Away made, I think Steph made it today, Friday morning, where she was, she made the statement, she was sorry, and she made no excuses. She was sorry. And then it was leaked that she also told everybody at the, she and I think maybe Jen also told everybody at the, at the company, don't answer anything, don't do anything, uh, don't, don't respond, don't like any comments, don't, don't be negative or positive, don't respond, this and that. And I was thinking about earlier this year, we had some layoffs at Backstage and then before that, we had like a jur- journalists were kind of poking around. And I remember asking in Slack, I said, I told everyone on our team at the time, I was like, don't respond to this journalist who's asking because I think they're trying to like do a hit job and uh, trying to twist our words and everything. So don't respond to it. And I think everybody was in agreement. When we had our layoffs, most of the people who were affected by the layoffs understood what was going on. We didn't have enough money to pay everybody. And we had always been in that kind of situation. And so we had layoffs. Some were planned and some were surprising to us. And they were all 
painful for everybody. But it's just what you do as a startup is what you do. And so most people were cool. Most people felt like, okay, I'll just go do something else or had a great run here. I'll use this to parlay that into something else. A couple of people were a little less okay. They were more like, this isn't cool. And I wish that you had figured it out better than you did. And they, they expressed themselves to me and to others. And I know that we've had a lot of private Slack conversations when things were tense. Most of the time, like, they're awesome. But sometimes when things are tense, you know, you'll have these these back channels and I'll I'll get on and on the on a Zoom call and I'll say, Hey everybody, please stop doing the back channels and just ask me the question. We don't have to go behind each other's backs. You could just ask me. We're small enough to do that. And it's all good. There was one person who just really hated the whole situation. As far as what they were saying, they hated me. They hated backstage. They hated the whole process. They didn't get anything from their experience at backstage, we can go, we can all go jump in a lake as far as they're concerned. And we're part of the bigger problem in general. And they had really, really harsh things to say about me personally, uh, mocking me and um, calling me out as a, as a liar and as someone who wasn't genuine and really going in on, on backstage, the coworkers, venture, everything. They weren't only doing this Internally, they were mainly doing this externally. They were doing this mainly on Twitter and probably in the other chat rooms. And I saw it and people at the company came, brought it to my attention as well. I said, yeah, I looked at it and I said, you know what? I, that hurts me personally. That sucks personally. And that is not cool because I don't agree with, I don't agree with that person. I'll, I'll tell them to their face. I don't agree with what they're saying. But we are in no way going to stop them from being able to say it. I am going to mute them so that I don't personally feel heartache over and over and over again because I thought we were cool. There will be no you know, invites to the cookout. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not going to break bread probably ever again. Oh, and one more thing. If I get asked to give a reference, I'm going to be honest about the good and the bad. That's what you do next. But when it comes to stifling or silencing someone's critique of me, I just don't believe in doing that. And in fact, there have been times where I've been, I've actually donated money to people who have podcasts or who have blogs or vlogs or projects that are in complete disagreement with me, even me personally, not just my ideals, because I feel like it's just so ingrained in me that you should have a right to your own opinion. When someone blocks me on Twitter, I block a lot of people all the time. I highly recommend it. When someone blocks me on Twitter, whether I think they should have or not, I do not try to go around and circumvent that. I do not try to beg them not to. I do not try to call them out unless their you know, last name is Trump. Because... And I mean this in a professional setting. Let's, I mean, political is different, but in a professional setting, because I have a respect for their desire to block me out. Does that make sense? Like I, I may not in that moment be agreeing with you. I may think you are the devil. I may, I may hate what you're saying about me. It may hurt. It may be a lie. It may be, it may be dangerous. It may be dangerous to my pocketbook. It may be a lot of things. 
but I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop you from saying it. What happened when I, I said dangerous, I didn't really mean that because if you are saying something dangerous, you're threatening me, of course, I'm going to report that. And of course, that's a different thing. But I think I, I'm making my point here. So when this uh, former employee lashed out and did it for weeks and weeks and weeks and everyone could see it, not once did you see me respond to that, that person on, on Twitter. Internally, I told everyone, hey, man, this sucks. You know, and I would point out a couple of things that they said and I'd be like, yeah, right. You know, this is crazy. You know, yeah, right. So when I look at another founder and maybe someone I would have invested in at one point if I had been around then when they were starting out or even though Jen is an investor in Backstage, when I look at these messages from her co-founder staff and she's saying things like, you know, you're, this person is brain dead because they got something wrong. Or you all, you show me a picture of, I don't think it was her directly, it was one of her people who report to her. It was like, show me a photo of you in bed at 1 a.m. working on this thing, you know, during a holiday, because here I am. That's just not how I roll. I know I do a lot of things wrong, but that to me is not one of those things I do wrong. I do other things wrong. So I, I don't know what was in her mind. I mean, maybe once you get to billion dollar valuation and you know the stakes, something cracks, something snaps. And you just, I mean, we got Adam Newman over here acting a fool. We got Travis acting a fool at Uber. We got all kinds of VCs acting a fool over the past two years. And um, yeah, I mean, this one's weird. This one was really surprising and weird. And I kept waiting to see something redeeming and say, oh, well, that was misunderstood. That was misconstrued. It was just kind of blatant bullying and threatening tactics and like elitism and thinking that she's better. Or I don't know what she was thinking, but the way she was talking was acting as if she was better than the people working for her. And if you are a founder and you think that you're better than the people working for you, you are in the wrong profession. You, you need to pack it up. That's not the right place for you. I don't know what the place is. I don't know where exactly you should go, but that's not the role. Because you, your, your employees, your customers, and sometimes your investors make up who you are as a company. They put you in the position to make the highest salary. They put you in the position to get the, the the covers and the front pages and the headlines. They put you in the position to be thought of as a visionary and to have your name everywhere. And they're holding you up. Now, some people don't work out. They're not good at their jobs. Some people are lazy. Some people are manipulative. Some people are, they cost you more than they, than their value at work. So what do you do? You lay those people off. You fire them. You don't bully them at work. You don't beat them, especially when they're down. You don't pay them crumbs and expect them to move mountains. It's just, it's just not how it works. I don't agree with people who, I don't agree with people who are like, you know, she has a double standard because she's a woman. If a guy had done this, he wouldn't have been called out. If a guy had done it, I think people would be picketing in front of the office right now. Read it again. It's terrible. Read it again if you're that person and, and imagine it's you being told those things or it's someone you care about being told those things. And I don't think that 
staff is like unredeemable. I just think that she needs to like own up to it real quick. <laughs> I don't know if they have anybody. I imagine they have some sort of team that's swooped in and said, okay, this is how we're going to fix it. We're, we're the fixers, PR, whatever, a board meeting. I don't know. If you're on the board and you're hearing this, if you're an investor and you're hearing this, if you're an employee and you're hearing this, uh, there's still hundreds of people that work there. There's still customers. Got to write the ship. And the way that you write the ship is you're honest and you you, you got to take ego out of it. And I'm, I'm saying all this and I feel vulnerable saying it because, again, like I'm nobody's judge. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect. None of us are. I'm just trying to focus on the things that I would do and the things that I would, like if I'm going to say it out loud here, I know I would do it in real life. If the majority of my team was telling me that I was hurting them, then I would reconsider the makeup of, of what's going on. Some people listening to this might say, oh, you're being too nice. You're being, you're not, you're not going in enough. Some people might be like, man, who are you to judge? I mean, that's just the way it is. Like some people are just not going to please everybody. And if you're an investor in the company away, there's still a way to like, let's change it up. It's not a way, it's a way. There's still a way to, to, to write the ship. If history is any indication, both founders are going to have plenty of money. They're going to be okay. A couple of years will go by, they'll be fine. But you need to kind of focus now on what really matters, and that's your your current employees and your customers and salvaging the investment money. I think also this is a great time for us to learn some stuff from it. So let's learn. Okay. Maybe you're maybe you're like a founder and you're on go back to your Slack and kind of scroll through, see how you're talking to people, see how you talk to people in emails. I know that I kind of get I get like frustrated a lot. When, when things are stressful, at the same time, I get really, I mean, sometimes I'm accused of being too coddling with employees. So I think you can get both and maybe that's not good to have that insecurity. I think also with finances always being up in the air, that's really scary. But at the same time, it's like they were talking about the legacy part, like they kept using that, like you're, you're doing something life changing and that's why you should stay. I feel that way about backstage. But at the same time, I also tell people you could and you can ask any one of our employees. I also say anytime you want to leave, anytime you think it's best for you to leave or you want to do something else, I will be the first person to help you do that. I will be your champion, whether you're at backstage physically or you are here in spirit, you're backstage to me. And whether this is a stepping stone for you to something greater, or this is where you want to be for the rest of your career, you're backstage to me. And, you know, the most we've had is like 45 people when you combine full-time employees, part-time and consultants across two countries, multiple cities, but I haven't had hundreds and hundreds of employees. So I don't know, probably I'm not the CEO you would bring into that kind of company. So I don't know the hardships that they had, but I do know that if it was a choice between running the company like Mrs. Hannigan from Annie or just like not running the company, I think I would put somebody else in place. That's all I'm saying. 
I'd be like, look, I'm the co-founder. Let me get my equity. Let me get my salary over here as a consultant. I'll make sure that the bags, I'll make sure that you have the best designs you've ever seen. And I will go out there and, and talk about a way every single day of my life. But somebody else probably should be talking to people if I'm over here making people cry. You know, that's how I would say it. That's how I would put it. Uh, that's it. I'm going to stop now because this really ain't my, as my mom says, not my monkey, not my show. This isn't really my business or my concern. I definitely just wanted to speak my piece because I didn't also want to, um, I think it's a pretty privileged position not to, to not have to comment on something, to not get in the fray and not get a little dirty. And so I don't want to be on that side and say, look, everybody else has to chime in and, and get their reputations dinged. But I, I get to stand up here and say, oh, it's not my, not my problem. So it's a little bit of a mixture. Thank you for listening. If you listened all the way and the code word, if you listen to the very end is Miami, because I'm in Miami. If you, if you listen all the way, you just tweet at me or write on Instagram, the word Miami or in a message, it just lets me know it's our code word that you listen all the way uh, to this particular episode. And it's just fun whenever you listen to it. I'll talk to you again very soon. And again, I say if, if, if Jen, Steph, any of the investors, any of the employees want to talk just uh, off the record, just to vent or have my opinion or ask me anything, or if you want to be on the record and you are co-founder, I am here. And if not, I, I wish everybody well. I wish you all well. Be nice to each other, please, people. <laughs> we are all we have. All right. See you later. Hey, it's Arlen. Thanks for listening to this episode. So I would love to keep up with you online. You can find me at Arlen Was Here on Instagram and on Twitter. That's A-R-L-A-N Was Here. I cannot wait to continue this conversation with you. You can also pre-order my first book. It's called It's About Damn Time. You can pre-order it at your local indie bookstore. Please do that. Feel free. And online where books are sold, where, where, where great books are sold. If you want to go to a specific link, you can go to prh.com slash it's about damn time all together. No, no spaces, no slashes, nothing. So prh.com slash it's about damn time. And it'll give you a list of places you can pre-order the book and Pre-ordering is huge. The more pre-orders the bookstores see, the more copies they will order and potentially more copies that will get sold and exposed and seen. If you're thinking about getting the book, but you're going to wait until after it comes out, I encourage you to pre-order it. May 5th, 2020 is the actual date. So you have plenty of time to grab it, but try to do it between now and then. I'll see you online in the meantime. If you are interested in advertising on your first million, go to yfmpodcast.com and click on contact. You can have yours truly read your ad, which is, I know, lovely. Uh, or you can send me your own ad. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time.